Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Tuesday evening. That's right. We're back to three a week. I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm doing it again. But uh, what do you say? I've been talked into it. But luckily, that means back with us after we haven't been able to get him all summer because the man's been very much in demand since he entered the Hall of Fame is Anscapes Mark Spears joining us from Oakland, California. What's up, brother? Good to see y'all, man. Long time. Thank you so Thank you so much for coming back on. We appreciate it. Look forward to another great. How many seasons for you now, Spears? It's my 21st. You got to have like 24. This is 25. 25. 25. 25. Another long Another long time rejoining us from Naples, Florida. ESPN's front office insider Bobby Marks. Hello, Bobby. Hello, gentlemen. How are we? 28 for me. 28. Ooh, oh my god. I'm the junior guy at 21. Uh, I'm the but I, but I'll tell you though, you're the baby. The, the, the last eight have made me feel a lot younger than the first 20. Yeah. Is that what it's been <laughs> eight years now with us? Eight years in the league in the media uh world of ESPN, uh 20 with uh the team size. As my 14-year-old says, I have pictures on my wall of um there's pictures of team. Uh, you know, the photos and there's a picture of 13 the 2013, 14 season. And he always comes in there. He goes, dad, you looked awful in that picture. Wow. <laughs> and I said, Thanks, son, son, one day we'll yeah. explain everything. What happened there? <laughs> oh, it was happy at first. Uh, it was happy during the, well, here's a, th- well, now we're talking about the regular season. The, the beauty of the regular season is now like the honeymoon stuff is over, right? Like we start playing basketball games and, Guys will be unhappy about minutes and losing streaks and all this stuff now comes to um, now comes to sur- the surface here. Yeah, the coaches start wanting players traded, all that kind of yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, I regret to inform you guys, I am doing this podcast from Tim Bontemps' apartment in New York City. Can you believe this? And he is sitting across the room and he's not allowed to say anything. He's not on this podcast. But I needed to, I needed oh, a man. safe haven, guys, in New York, and this is what was afforded to me. This is all I had. How's the smell? It's, it's spectacular. You know, K-Bon has decorated it fine. Tim has been had limited um, ability to you know to inflict any damage, so okay. we're good. I, I just I just pictured him as a guy with incense. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. If I asked, I'm sure that would be some of that available. Yeah, sure. There's some. I'm sure there's something, some around here somewhere. Um, all right. Well, Spears has to get over to the Chase Center tonight because he's going to watch uh, the Suns play the Warriors. So obviously that game will be have happened by the time this pod posts. But um, huge news in the NBA happened last night. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, agreeing to a three-year and signing a three-year, um, hundred and eighty-six million dollar contract extension. Two years guaranteed. He's now under contract for four more years. Uh, Bobby, I, I don't know how you felt about this, but I was surprised. Yes and no. Um, I was. I'd gotten a little bit of a tip on um, Sunday, um, not really about um, this extension here, but maybe just kind of looking long term um, possible, um, possible options here. I, yeah, when it came across when Giannis tweeted, I was surprised. I was actually, and we've got Tim on a gag order right now. I was actually, uh, Tim had texted me and it says, like, is this real? 
because it had bucks and six and extended. So what are we doing? Like, is it is it bucks? Yeah, Giannis six tweeted we... <laughs> right. Giannis tweeted hashtag extended. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so I would say yes and no. I I think big picture, yes, but no. When you look at the the, the I guess the big scope of things here, um, it's rare that a player who is twenty eight years old is looking out ten years from now for the over thirty eight rule. Like that is a rarity here because him signing, you know, certainly this extension, um, which is, you know, uh, two years and a player option in the third year gives him that flexibility in the future to sign multiple contracts and avoid, you know, we're not going to get into the minutiae, the over 38 rule. Um, it's basically the same contract he could have signed next off season, but one less year here. Um, I think the one thing that I, I guess if I'm at fault and that we overlooked is that, you know, we always talked about Giannis. Um, it didn't make sense for Giannis because um, from a financial standpoint, he was basically only signing for another $100 million in new money because the player option was replaced with um, with another contract here. But Giannis is in such an elite level, almost where, you know, where LeBron is or maybe even where Kevin Durant, some of the Steph Curry, where it's not like him f- sacrificing an extra year. The veteran minimum is going to be there waiting for him. Like if, if he's healthy, there's going to be another 60 to $70 million per year contract for that next one. So whatever he might've sacrificed here, he would have certainly, um, he would have certainly recouped. He will recoup, uh, in, in the back end. Okay. But could he not still have signed the same contract next summer? He could have, yes, he could have signed the two plus one because, um, you know, how it's, how it's structured. He could have. Next offseason, he could have signed a four for, I think, 234. He could have done the two plus one that he just did right now um, next off next summer. So essentially what he looked at is says, I, I want, give me another 100 million plus in guaranteed money now, which he did um, with one less year to allow him to sign another extension potentially in 2026. Yeah. So I guess just my question is, and I guess he got some more money by replacing his player option with a guaranteed year, you know, he had a, he had a player option that he had to basically decline and replace with a new part of a contract. And because it's a new contract, it's got a richer number. He got a little bit more money, but again, he could have done that a year from now. And now he's under contract for four years. And I, and I want to be clear before I go down this line of questioning Spears or this line of discussion. Uh Oh, don't get, don't get the Milwaukee fans. Mad here. I don't no. Look, I'm fr- I'm from a small market. I'm from Cleveland. I I love the fact that small markets like Milwaukee are able to win. I'm just thinking about it from his perspective, which is last year the Bucks had a great year, had a very disappointing end to it. This year they look great, but I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how Adrian Griffin's going to be as a coach. I don't know how Chris Middleton is going to recover from that uh, knee injury. I don't know how Dame Willard and him are going to fit together. So my question is now that he's extended when he gets to the end of the deal or when he gets to the end of this season, to be clear, he now has three years left on his contract. If he decides that he doesn't like the way that things are going in Milwaukee, and I'm not saying that he would, but this is reality. A year ago, we were celebrating Dame's extension. A year later, he asks out and Dame runs into a problem where his leverage is limited because he's got all these years left on his contract. In theory, if Giannis and I and it's it's not like Giannis has never thought about asking out of Milwaukee, I will give you the quotes that he had in August. So I would just say, playing devil's advocate here, Spears, 
why extend now when he can get the same contract in six months? And if he doesn't like the way this season goes, he then loses leverage um, potentially when he wants, you know, not, not if, not when, but if the, whatever happens an asteroid hits, <laughs> why? Uh, I was there media day and he came up and, and did an interview with me and he kind of lamented on cursing. Uh, remember his quote, he said, it didn't make sense to sign a contract right now. Money's not important. A lot of bleeping money is important. And he had just said that a couple minutes earlier. And he's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't curse like that. He felt bad about it. But obviously, a lot of freaking money could have been had more had had he waited. I, I wonder if he, somebody cautioned him about, and and obviously, this is neither here nor there with money, but having to deal with that question all season, wherever he went, go to Miami, right? You go to New York. Can you come here? Are you going to come here? Would you be interested in coming here? And the focus that spotlight, I mean, I'm trying to think of something, the spotlight that comes with uh, being questioned about that from time to time, having a cloud over him. Every city he goes with people asking him that question. So now he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. $186 million is a lot of money. <laughs> like, And maybe when you think about in the grand scheme of things, I know such was the case when Melo signed that deal early in his career, LeBron and Chris Bosh and Wade didn't. When you come from perhaps the circumstances he comes from and that money sitting on the table, like you just never know what the future holds in, t in terms of getting hurt and things like that. So, Maybe from a security standpoint, that that was good to him. I, I I never got really see him in another uniform. I don't see him as a guy that like yearns for the big lights or the big city. He can go to the big city when the season's over. Go back to Greece, right? Hang out in Athens. And so I I, I think once they got Dame, although he kind of kept the I believe the cards close to his vest, seeing Dame at practice. I talked to Chris Middleton. He feels like he's going to be fine. Perhaps he's seeing things in training camp and just feels a commitment is necessary um, based on he asked them to do something, and they did it. And um, the one thing I always think, too, and Paul George showed you this, you could take the money now and figure the rest out later. Ah, thank you, Mr. Spears. So this, I, I want to be 100% clear. I have no knowledge of this, okay? <laughs> but I'm just saying that when Paul George took a contract extension, or I guess it was a new contract, he was a free agent. When Paul George took a new contract with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and to be clear, this is not apples to apples because Giannis has long history, deep roots in Milwaukee. It is not comparable to a guy who played one year in Oklahoma City. Also, a huge congratulations to the Bucks organization. A huge congratulations to John Horst, their general manager. A huge congratulations to, to Wes Edens, their um, you know governor. Uh, congratulations to Jimmy Haslam and Jamie Dynan, their two other uh, primary owners. Who else do I got to congratulate? Um, the mayor of Milwaukee. The you know they executed this. They heard what Giannis said in August. They went out and traded for Dame. They got his commitment in October. Tremendous work by the by the by the Bucks. Okay, Giannis. They should. I said this morning on television, they should prepare to name the square in the Deer District, Giannis 
Square, Antetokounmpo Plaza, um, Greek Freak Alley, whatever you want to call it. Like this is a huge gift he's given with everybody um, having done a lot of work. I, I, I just I want to be overly cautious to not congrat to not miscongratulate what's happened. But in the case of Paul George, when that happened, um, when he recommitted and re-signed with the Thunder without taking any visits or anything like that, he committed a 1201 and the big party he had with Russell Westbrook. The understanding that he had with the organization was, hey, I'm sticking with you. I'm going to recommit. But if someday I decide maybe I don't want to be here, let's have an agreement right now that we're going to be friends about it. The Thunder basically said, you got it. A year later, he said, hey, I'd really like to go play in Los Angeles with Kawhi Leonard. And you know what? It worked out for the Thunder because instead of worrying about losing him in free agency, um, they ended up getting a great trade, Bobby, which still they're still bearing fruit. But that trade got him Shea Gilles Alexander and more fruit to come. So I would just say that sometimes signing a long-term contract comes with certain understandings. I'm not saying that's what's happening here, okay, to be, be completely clear. But it has happened before in the NBA that such an accommodation will be worked out. And if that's the case, I still think it's a great deal for the team, especially if you're not sure about the free agent. And again, a great day for Milwaukee. Have I, have I brought this up without causing problems, Bobby, or do you think I'm in trouble? No, you're, I mean, I said it yesterday. I mean, like Spears just gave me a grimace. He thinks I'm in trouble. We've, I mean, we've written about it. I mean, the trend is sign now, ask out later. Now I'm not ready to put Giannis in that situation. And certainly the the Damian Lillard situation was different. You know, Damian signed that extension last off season. And then the, that Portland team from a roster standpoint is not where Milwaukee is right now. Like it's totally, totally different different decisions. That's right. Yeah. Different decision. And then, you know, you know, basically got to the point where Damien had to ask out because they were going in a, in a different direction. But, but here's the reality with Milwaukee. You have the unknown in Chris Middleton. He is the X factor for my concern, as far as where he is health wise. Um, you have a rookie coach in Adrian Griffin. You have depleted all your draft picks here. And I don't think the wheels will fall off. Um, I think they'll have a really good year, but just because you sign a three-year contract or a three-year extension in this world, in the NBA world, doesn't mean anything anymore. Like it, it I mean, that's the the reality of the of the situation where it doesn't um, it doesn't mean much at all. He would have to be the. But here's the thing, though: if he did not sign the extension and was going into the last year of his contract, you can kind of see it. Where you know what, I'm going to play it out. Where he, now. He would almost have to be the bad guy now where he's under contract for four years. Wait a minute. We, we took care of you. We extended you, you, you know, got you where's your, yeah, we got you Dane. We're the loyalty factor here where that's where if it ever got to a point where they lose in the first round and he looks at him like, man, this, this is not, I want to go somewhere else here. He would have, you know, he'd have to be the bad guy in this situation. Yeah. Do you see that in him? No, yeah. I don't. This is the second time he has signed before he had to. You know, when he when he did the the, the super max extension uh, a couple years ago, he could have waited instead for really no reason other than to support the Bucks and you know make sure there would be a drama free season. He extended, 
And it was a gift to the Bucks at that time. And they won the title that year. So, hey. you know, he, he, he's, he's taking the drama out of this now. Can we, can we at least glory in the fact that this guy is going to make $62 million a year? Well, here's yeah. the funny thing. But Mark. he would have made that anyway. It's, well, not like he, it's not like he wouldn't have gotten that anyway. I know, but it's still like, wow. Yeah, here's the, the funny thing is, and, and for everyone who is listening and, and is watching this, one of the things I like to do is give all our writers some like notes whenever certain situations, contract extensions. And when Giannis was extension eligible back in September, I put a little packet together and I emailed everything. And I said, well, you can only earn hundred another $100 million in new money. And, and Spears e- emails me and goes, only? Only $100 million? And I said to Mark, You've been around this long enough. We live in a world where this is not real. Like this is not this first is, world problems, baby. Yes, the first world problems. Athlete money is not. We cannot equate it to our own money. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We cannot Too do sad. that. But um, listen, he's um, you know he's and he's gonna get. He'll get. An, I mean, he'll get probably two more big more two big more contracts. I mean, this guy at the end of the day could make probably maybe six hundred million dollars in his career. Yeah, you're yeah. saying uh, 62 million a year, Spears. Depending on what happens with the NBA TV rights, there's two more years left in this deal. Um, the NBA is is hoping pretty clearly to, you know, at least double their last time around they tripled their rights. Maybe they'll triple them again, but they're hoping to at least double their rights. Yeah. Um, and you know, we'll see if how they get phased in. Last time there was famously the cap spike in 2016. Um, but it's possible that in the next decade, um, we could see hundred million dollar a year contracts, yeah. uh, depending on how everything comes to play. So like, yeah, I agree. He locked it in. It's easy for me to say, keep your options open. He's got 186 million on the balance sheet. And, um, you know, as Giannis's own words, he cares a lot, a lot of bleeping money. Um, and he's and he now got, got that guaranteed. So look at, I, I, I'm doing this as my job, which is to analyze decisions, uh, which is why it was surprising. Bobby, did you know maybe you had a, a 24-hour heads up? But like over the last week or two, did you have any conversations about no. the deadline Monday night? Nope, he Spears, was not even. Have- I mean, I wrote about it and I basically used his line about like you know Giannis's line why it didn't make sense. I mean, I got a little bit of a tip sometime during Sunday, but not really, not to the point where it raised the red flag for me. Spears, did one conversation you have about, oh my gosh, Giannis has this deadline on Monday to extend? I didn't have one. Certainly didn't feel that way when I was in Milwaukee either. You know, well, it, it, and, and if you read the, the sit down I have with him, there was a lot of uh, reflection about wait and see, wait and see. Let's wait and see. Yes, I, I mentioned um, Oscar and Kareem to him. And being on that, uh, let's wait and see. We haven't practiced together yet. We haven't played together yet. It wasn't like, you know, I I, ex- I expected probably a little bit more enthusiasm. Not not that he s- didn't say that they couldn't be great together, but it was more of a definitely a wait and see approach, which made me feel like such would be the case with his contract. Yeah, which was not unreasonable. It's not, I mean, when they did the Dame deal, it was obviously a huge response and there was a good feel that he was going to remain there. And, but when he said, I'm going to, I'll deal with it in a year. It wasn't like there were people like up in arms. People were like, okay, that makes sense. So, you know, look, I'm sure he thought about it a lot. Um, we'll see next summer 
whether or not that was a brilliant move and they're celebrating another title or whether or not um, it has an effect on them. But I, I hate to have that conversation because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reflection of where the NBA is now, but we just got out of a stalemate with Damian Lillard, and that stalemate existed because Dame didn't have a no-trade clause, which Giannis will not have, right. and because Dame had so many years left on his contract. So uh, I hate to take that note, but I, it's responsibility that I have to do. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Spears, you pulled uh, the tarp off of something this week, um, a diary that you're going to be doing with Bradley Beal throughout the course of the season. And in the first installment um, at Anscape, you, um, Brad talked about his decision to leave the Wizards, the Wizards um, coming to him, uh, even though he had the no trade clause. I wish you could tell me how this came to be that he decided to do this, because this is something that's happened. You've done this before with rookies. I can't remember the last time a star player did a season long uh, diary that wasn't, you know, for his own platform, how it came about and what he talked about in his first installment with you. Yeah, no, I um, approached him and his management about a month and a half ago. And, and Brad worked it too, man. He, I didn't think he was going to do it for a minute. Like he took a long time to think about it and decide whether he wanted to do a diary or not. And last season, I, I thought I had a really good one with C.J. McCollum. Uh, he was um, extremely generous with his time and had a lot to say. And C.J., actually, Brian, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. He would edit his own copy because it was his <laughs> diary. Like, I would yeah. send it to him, and he would edit it. <laughs> um, but I think what was important to Brad, which was different than C.J., also was um, – he wanted a video platform to go with it as well, which I think is really, really smart because like it's I don't know if there's a big market team with such small market interests or such little interest as Washington. Like nobody talks about the Wizards. There's no buzz there. They might be last in the NBA and Jersey sales, you know, and I think that a lot of people still don't know Bradley Bill's story. And I think he realizes that. And now going to Phoenix. There's a spotlight on him that he's never had before. Uh, there's an ability to win a, a title, which he's never had before, where he walked into a season thinking this could legitimately happen. And um, I think he realizes now this gives him an opportunity to tell the world his story. Um, in a way, because like, I, like I had some friends say, man, I'm glad you're doing this because I don't really know much about him. And so he... Uh, the, the interesting thing, when he talked about the trade and Bobby were like this, like we were about to pack up. I thought we had everything. And then he just interjected and gave us that last gem, like breaking down like all the teams. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is great. <laughs> like Saying Milwaukee, New York, Brooklyn, Miami, and how Miami was his first choice and all that. Like, um, And basically the, the, the Heat certainly, and I, I'll let Bobby interject on this, but the Heat, felt like it should be known that he had a no trade clause that he didn't want to give up which rallies people say different the heat, the heat wanted to uh have him vacate the no trade is that what you're saying yeah 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 so they they feel like when bradley said in a diary you know uh mickey arison was dragging his feet um that wasn't fair but on the flip side they believe that miami didn't want to take on the money of bill's contract 
which ultimately caused them to walk away, which is, you know, he he said, he said, right? So, but but also the point you made earlier, which I thought was interesting, was him saying that, you know, basically the new Wizards brass came in and said, hey, uh, you know, we could help accommodate you to go somewhere else. And, and I'm sure Bobby's had some interesting conversations in his in his front office days, but to basically walk in at your first meeting and tell the starter franchise, hey, you know what, you, you should go somewhere else, man. Like you don't have to go <laughs> home, but you got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> and he's like 160 points away from being a I, I wonder yeah, I, I, I he did this, say like, I wonder yeah, if he ahead. wanted to like get the all-time leading score first and then get traded at the trade deadline. Right. You know, maybe <laughs> that was written about or he talked about that before. This is the first time I've heard him talk about that. Yeah. You're saying that he was a uh, um 160 points away from Elvin Hayes, right? Yes. He's 160 uh, points away. Yeah. So he was like basically less than a month, a couple of weeks. I mean, hell, if he had a, a hot start, he was a, a you know, a, you know, yeah, maybe less, depending on how he yeah. went. He's yeah. had 50 point games. Um, that he would have been the all-time leading scorer. And the fact that he didn't get it, it bothers yeah. him a little bit. I, well, he I said that he, was interesting. He, he he he's very honest. He's like, Yeah, you know, toward the end of my career, hopefully I could go back there finish up so i know he wants that he knows he's going to get his jersey retired there but um his honesty was really well you uh, know so listen there's only 30 guys who who, who are all-time team leading scorers he he kind of like he kind of wanted to be on that list yeah so we'll, we'll see if he ends up being there in the end but yeah no there was so much i left on the table with that that we'll, we'll probably get into later with his family and stuff like that but uh to hear him reflect like he was like, dang, it was a gut punch. They, they, the Wizards pushed me out. Like, I'm Bradley Beal, man. Like, are you serious? <laughs> but he, you know, but he couldn't have been absolutely positively stunned. He saw the way the, the tea leaves were going, too. I mean, I, I, I understand. I think that, as a star, though, yeah. when you hear it, it's different, right? Yeah, we, when the team we, comes not, to you not, and says, time even to like, move on. He, he had a no trade clause, like one of the few people that had it. So he could have told them no. But like, the fact that they came in and said, hey, man, you know, we got a good moving company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the weather? Where would you like to live? In Phoenix? It's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, Bobby, I, I, um, I, I wish yeah. I could have heard their pitch tool when, he walked, when they walked in. Like, even if you think they're going to could do that, you're like, I'm the face of the franchise. They ain't going to do that to me. That is right? a unique situation, Bobby. What, what, you know, not that a, not that a team wants to trade a player, but a team in this boat with the no trade to deal with. Well, it's almost the, it's almost like the reverse of a player signing an extension and then asking out. It's almost the reversal here, where Beal signed that a contract five for what two fifty um, last offseason, had the no trade clause, the only player in the NBA that had it. Um, and then a year later, things changed where Tommy Shepard, you know, in that front office that signed him that are now out. Michael Winger, who was in lost with the Clippers prior to uh, OKC, comes in and now all of a sudden having a $50 million player on your cap sheet doesn't fit anymore. That You know, Bradley Beal doesn't as good as he is, doesn't fit as far as them trying to recoup as many draft assets. And I think that the fascinating part is, is that players with no trade clauses, when you give permissions, and I certainly saw this a long time ago with when Carmelo went through it and with Denver, um, is when teams like Miami or Phoenix or other teams that might've been interested are allowed to talk to the player, you know, are allowed to kind of, you know, you're it's basically like the, the legal version of tampering. 
that it's been approved here where whether you're talking to the agent and you're in your Phoenix and you're talking with Mark Bartlestein, his agent trying to put the right um, trade package together that would accommodate him in. Uh, with, yeah, with I wrote, the the, I wrote about, I, when I wrote about the meeting um, that the Suns had, they had a, a meeting in uh, at the four seasons uh, here in New York. Um, Matt Ishbia got the biggest suite that he could get. And they had a meeting that was like a free agent meeting, except for it wasn't, you know, and even if Brad gave the wink and the nod, then they had to go negotiate the trade. You yeah. weren't negotiating the contract, you're negotiating the trade. It is yeah. an awkward situation. And his wife, I talked to his wife a little bit too. She was in that meeting and she was. Yeah. Apparently that sales job they did in that meeting, you know, but Bradley was like, well, what you going to trade book? I think he didn't realize at the time that they could move Chris Paul and his contract and that Chris Paul was the person because it's, it's kind of masterful what Phoenix was able to do. And they, they helped, you know, the Bucks get Jordan Poole. I mean, I'm sorry, not the Bucks, the Bullets, the Wizards. <laughs> the Wizards get Jordan <laughs> You have been around for 25 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I'm curious. I mean, so it, it's they, they traded a, a shooter, a scorer for a younger version, right? A younger, exciting scorer. Well, there's all kinds left. of sliding. There's all kinds of sliding doors here, Bobby, because Miami was still hoping to get Dame at that time, right? Like yeah. we knew Dame was coming on the market. Um, Milwaukee, obviously, I, like I remember, you know, Giannis, you know, he he had been interested in trading for Bradley Beal for years. I know that he had been interested in playing for Dame Lillard, but I think you know because Bradley Beal was a guy who was rumored on and off over the last four or five years. I think that was a player that Giannis had. Obviously, the Bucks were kicking that around. They had the ammunition eventually to get uh, Dame. So that's interesting that they're on there. You know, the, the 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 Knicks in Brooklyn, I think both of those teams were, you know, I think the Knicks may have, I don't know for sure what the Knicks were thinking, but I think the Knicks have big aspirations. And if they had gotten Bradley Beal and then he was, well, he wanted to keep that no trade, it might have, limited what they were willing to do. So like, you know, the market of people who were willing to accept both Bradley Beal at that contract and him keeping the no trade was limited, which this interview that Spears did kind of revealed. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, um, you know, certainly when Beal, when you look at the trade package, they were able to get back for him. I think that's when you, when you say, well, wait a minute, um, New, um, Miami couldn't have done that. When you look at the Chris Paul contract, Landry Shamit, and then it was basically, a, um, a bunch of pick swaps in there. Um, that's where it kind of comes into play. If you're, if you're a heat fan, you're thinking, well, could we have, could we have done Kyle Lowry and, you know, maybe pick swaps and not impact, not trade out Tyler hero. But as you've said, and now you're taking on that, you're that $50 million salary. And it, at the end of the day, you know, it's basically musical chairs and Miami got caught sitting on the floor, right? You know, Boston got holiday, Milwaukee got, you know, Lillard, Phoenix got Beal and Miami sitting here now with, you know, a bunch of players they've signed with for the, you know, they think they have a, a better team than last year. We'll see how that plays out. But, you know, a bunch of players that were signed to the minimum contract and Kyle Lowry on this expiring contract. Yeah. So Beal, by the way, is, um, I don't think he's going to play tonight. He's, he's uh, dinged yeah. up here. And they'll probably one of the next two games. Yeah. He, the thing about Beal, um, We'll see, because he's been slowed down in the preseason and he's probably not going to play in this game at Golden State, 
Um, he hasn't gotten to, they haven't get, they sort of figure out, figure out how they're going to use him. I think what they're probably going to do is Devin Booker historically plays the entire first quarter. And if not the entire third, most of the third. Um, and he's playing. Yeah. A uh, Booker was questionable for this game too. I think what they'll end up doing is they'll build in Bradley Beal time. When I covered the Miami heat and they had LeBron Wade and Bosch, Eric Spolstra would really try to build in, and I would call it Bosch time or Wade time, where they would sort of be featured throughout the game to stagger them. I suspect that Frank Vogel will do that, and I suspect what they'll try to do is have Beal be playing when Booker is resting in both halves, but they haven't gotten that smoothed over yet, and now Beal is shaken off an injury. So what I'd say about the Suns is, in addition to having 11 or 12 new players, whatever it is, completely rebuilding their rotation from scratch. They have not figured out exactly how they're going to use their rotation for their stars yet. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what uh, exactly is going to start. I mean, for all I know, Durant will score 47 tonight and Brooker will have, you know, 32 and they'll win. But it wouldn't surprise me if there's a bit of a, just a period for the, for the Suns here. So uh, I'm not going to, be on them too much if they struggle a little bit. But speaking of the Sun Spears, you spoke to Kevin Durant ahead of his game tonight. Now, we'll already have happened by this time this pod post, but I didn't realize until the last couple of days, Durant's never played at the Chase Center. Well, know, he, he did. Say, he told, in front oh, he of did. fans. Oh, he and not in front, in front of fans. fans. Yeah. That's what I mean, in front of fans. So he talked about that. That's going to happen tonight. Yeah, no, it'll um, certainly be interesting to see how the crowd reacts to him, I think, now. Any bitterness they had about him deciding to leave is probably gone. Like, and and Duran, in a lot of ways, is saying all the right things too in terms of his time here and appreciating it more. And I asked him about like what if, and he definitely didn't really want to go down that road. You know, uh, I wonder if he feels if he's you know asked because I wonder if he felt like he still made the right decision. But I did ask him, which was interesting, is I like, look, you played for two teams that went to the finals. Like, how does this Suns team compare? And he basically like snarled at the Oklahoma City part. Like, this is, you know, like I'm not putting Oklahoma City in <laughs> this conversation. But he definitely didn't put Suns on the same level of that Warriors team either. He was like, that team was super special, the success it had going to three finals. His love for that team kind of surprised me that he just had that much in love, respect for that time on and off the court. And, um, you know, I, I do wonder if there was a way he could go back in time, what what he should have done. And I think the Warriors probably wish there were some things they could have done better to to get all on the same page. Because that last year he was here, he definitely seemed miserable. And obviously there was a situation with Draymond. And I I, I think you, it, it's it's an interesting, complex thing with stars when you know when lebron went to miami it was always still going to be way county no matter how big lebron was right you come to the bay ain't nobody pushing steph to the side or even standing next to him it's it's and but in brooklyn and, and oklahoma city and phoenix even though book gets mentioned last it's durant you know it's durant right so i just um I wonder now as these guys are getting older, you know, maybe there was some ego back then that isn't the same now. I, I do wonder if he would make that decision again, but he, he told me that there was no regrets in that. 
Well, it kind of drives me crazy when people, this is one of my pet things, but it kind of drives me crazy when people try to denigrate those two titles, particularly 2017. I'm sorry. They needed Durant to win that year. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're starting a season, guys, where you could make a case, in my view, for six teams to win right out of the gate. And there are yeah. another couple that, depending on how things go, like however the Harden situation works out, that you could expand that list to seven or eight. Like what happens with some other teams like Miami? I just want to point well, out in 2017. Well, if, well if, you're, if you're me, it could be eight if you're picking the Knicks to win it all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that's that. That's assuming Brian didn't have them in that group anyway. <laughs> that that's a fair assumption, Spears. Um, <laughs> I'll just point out that in 2017, the Cavs went 12 and one through the Eastern Conference playoffs, and the Warriors went 12 and 0 through the Western Conference playoffs. Um, the The league was a little bit different back then, and it was because of the Spurs or the, the uh, Warriors and Cavs had so much talent, but. Part of the reason they were so good is because they were so good. And they beat a team that was awesome. And they beat a team that was and, and awesome. If, because if Durant Durant's didn't awesome. get hurt and Clay didn't get hurt, they would have been three-peat. You know, Which we haven't had in 20 years. I, w- I wonder if Durant still leaves if they had won. You know what I mean? I kind of feel like he still would have left. I do, too. I do, too. But, yeah, I mean, I think the – I just don't accept – you can argue about the way that it came together, Bobby, with the the cap spike and the light years ahead. And you can argue and say that, you know, he didn't need to go to a team that was on top that had 73 wins. You can you can say all that. I reject on its face that the Warriors didn't need him to win. I think if the Warriors didn't have him, they would have lost two in a row to the Cavs, period. Oh, I agree. I mean, even, you know, coming off the year they lost to, the, the Cleveland, um, and you basically swap out Harrison Barnes and Bogut for um, for Durant, right? I mean that's that that's basically the trade um, the trade that you made, and so I yeah I mean but I this is I, but, but Brian they if Bogut doesn't get hurt and Draymond doesn't get hurt the Warriors probably win that series probably yeah well Draymond got suspended so but yeah why, I agree why would you assume that they would definitely beat them because the Cavs were that good and the Cavs went out and got Kyle Korver the Cavs were really really good. Okay. Like, if you're saying to me the Warriors could win that series, of course they could. Okay. Like, I thought absolutely. you were saying that there was no way. No, I'm not saying it would be 4-0. Okay. I mean, it was All 4-1 right. as it was. I'm just saying, like, there's no way that you can look at that. You can look and look at that Cavs team and say they've been the favorite. They certainly, well, they they played during the regular season and they split. Yeah, that was with Durant. So Durant was awesome yeah. in that. Yeah. as well. So and if you think about okay. it, Curry didn't have a signature Finals moment. And obviously Durant's arrival changed that uh, or affected that, but his signature finals moment didn't come till Boston. Correct. And look, the signature finals moment could have come there too. Yeah. Because one of the other things is the, the concept that Steph Curry wasn't a big contributor in those three titles. He absolutely was. But like, yeah. look, I'm not trying to say that the 2017 Warriors were like not, not I mean, obviously they were already a champion, but I'm just yeah. saying – Durant was a full-fledged, important member of that title you know, team. They were unstoppable offensively. And I would expect most, and hope that would, they would. Would you say that they were the most intimidating offensive team ever with those three? I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens with this Suns team because they can yeah. <laughs> scare yeah. some people, but they were the most intimidating team, period. Yeah. I mean, they had championship. They had MVP redundancy. Yeah. I mean, you think about that. I mean, that's happened a few times in the in NBA history, but only a few. Yeah. 
you know, I, I, you know, and I don't know, this is, I could go on and on about this and I'll probably get myself in trouble. Next thing you know, I'll be, you know, being ripped in golden state again, which is what I, uh, what I, what I'm not looking for right now. There's, there's a real value in having champion the MVP redundancy (laughs) to, to put it mildly. More hoop collective podcast after this. Okay, so Bobby, you did one of your my, one of my favorite things that you and Kevin Pelton do every year. The NBA Future Power Rankings came out um, last week. This is where. Well, actually, tell us about your methodology for these. Well, you have to include your um, your landlord for a night uh, also as a part of this, uh, Mister. Oh, that's bon right. Temps. I just got the evil eye. Bon Temps <laughs> did it too. Now I'm getting a now I'm getting a sneer. And Andre Snellings was on this. So we, um, yeah, the hey, four Jay. of us. We you we, there's five categories that we uh, we rank. Uh, players is certainly the uh, the most weighted category, um, which is the roster, and we look at it for the next three years. So this year and then two more years out. Players draft as far as your draft capital money, which is your um, cap space flexibility moving forward. Um, your market which if you're in Miami, you're going to get a high score. And then uh, management, which consists of coaching, um, front office, and then your ownership. We, uh, the four of us rank them between zero and a hundred by, you know, by fives and tens. Um, Kevin's got a, a nice formula that kind of spits out the results after we, um, after we, uh, after we do it, Memphis, the past two years had ranked number one. They'd want back to back to back to back years. They fell to number four um and uh boston this year is number one based on certainly the rot and i know they're, they're money wise they're not in a good situation but roster wise jalen brown super max jalen uh jason tatum likely next year drew holiday likely possible extension the Porzingis trade, they didn't give up much draft capital in the holiday trade one of those picks was a golden state um uh, what was a golden state first and um, they're sitting at, at, uh, at number one right now. Yeah. So they moved up from three uh, from last year, which, um, you know, I think is an indication of adding Drew holiday and Chris Epps Porzingis because they rank number one. You think they've got you, I don't mean you Bobby, but collectively you guys think that they've got the best roster Yeah, uh, under players. You've got them as number one and that's why they're there. Also, you rank them pretty high in management. Um, and that's not unreasonable. The Nuggets, by the way, uh, who were ranked ninth last year, are number two. I don't want to give the Denver fans another reason to hate ESPN. They're number two. It's not totally an insult. Um, but, uh, you know, and you have them, you guys have them as the second best roster. So um, I feel like, uh, you know, Spears, one of the things that is uh, stood out here is that the Oklahoma City Thunder leapt from mm-hmm. – number 23 a year ago to number three this year. Um, and a large part because uh, how much you guys value, how well they've drafted over the last couple of years. Uh, Jayla Williams, Chet Holmgren in the same class, Josh Giddy from a couple of years ago, and because of their future draft assets. So I don't know how you felt about this uh, Thunder being all the way up there at number three, Spears. I love it. <laughs> I agree with it. And are any of these guys over 25, the core? No, I think they have like six or seven players under 25. 
I mean, Shay, this season, I think we're really going to see him get the the love he is deserving of. Chet, the, the Chet Wimby, I think rivalry is going to begin. I really love, I never love watching the preseason game more than I love Chet and Wimby. And Giddy is just. So like here's the great, thing I really think they don't like each other. I, I agree. That's why um, I loved it. They haven't goes like back to set... the, U, the USA France game under because if you if you look at that, I think Chet still sees him. Not I'm sorry, Wimby took it personal that Chet was getting all this attention, and then USA beat him. But that's when basically Wimby arrived. It wasn't Vegas. It was that game against Chet because Chet was the dude. So so I asked Victor after the game. Yeah about chet and victor did not give me an answer about chet. i mean he didn't say no comment yeah he yeah, said a yeah, bunch yeah. of words chet had this awesome game right and looked great and by the way so did victor and uh and i did ask chet about victor and he gave you know he said nice things but i asked victor about chet and he basically wouldn't he said a bunch of words but none of them were about chet yeah and that was the first meeting <laughs> Uh, by the way, November four, November fourteenth. I think it's on TNT. Oh, um, must see uh, Spurs, Spurs at Thunder. Yeah, and I wonder if he has the same. Wimby has the same rivalry with Scoot, but it's probably more in Scoot's end. Because if you remember, Wimby said, uh, "If was I born wasn't born, Scoot Henderson probably would be the number one pick." I also, I think Scoot, I think Scoot they, has more of a positions. I think Scoot, and I know they're different positions. I think Scoot has a little more rivalry with Brandon Miller. I think there's an edge there as far as Brandon Miller going to, at number two to Charlotte, yeah. where Scoot felt like he was the, you know, like he felt like he was the guy there. Yeah. But I think he knows in terms of the environment that Portland's a better environment for him. To me, I think that's one of those blessing in disguise picks, especially with the having Chauncey and Brogdon and Pujetter and, um, you know, having Scotty Brooks, like having those people around you, he, he wouldn't have had that environment in Charlotte. So you're probably right from an ego thing. And it's closer to Atlanta. But Portland is definitely the better place for him. Well, we'll but just I do see know how it... when Wimby made that comment, Scoot was pretty pissed about it. So there was a, there was a, it has not been released in America yet. It'll be released in America in a few weeks, or I don't actually don't know. It'll be released in America soon. But Wembenyama had a documentary made about his last year, um, last year. And he, and it was, it's so far, it's been released in French. And um, the filmmakers with him all year. And I don't, just to be clear, I've seen parts of it. Um, I don't know whether this edit will make it into. The American version, but one of the things that happened was, so he he said that be, I can't remember if Spears if it was before the first game in Vegas or after the first game in Vegas. I think it might have been before, and his coach called him aside, uh, Vincent Calais, and called him aside and um, uh, said, "Hey, you know, you should probably watch out for scooting this game because I think they're a little upset with what you said, and Victor." 
uh, kind of admitted, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> like, um, I think he recognized he may have gotten a little bit more blunt than he needed to be. And one of the things it's interesting in talking to French media members, even though Victor's uh, command of English is absolutely spectacular and he speaks almost accent free, which is not common for, for native French speakers, um, he seems to be a little bit more frank and emboldened in. English than he is in French because he still gives interviews in French routinely. There's a bunch of French media who have moved to Texas. Um, and he tends to be a little bit more bland in French, but a little bit more bold in English. And that may be kind of what happened there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I just, you know, Chet, them being number three, I mean, is a, is a bet on Chet, Bobby, I would think too. Um, because, you know, if you're going to take them up, you're, what you're basically saying is that you think that, you know, Chet is going to rise to the level of a player um, that can, you know, be a supporting, a supporting guy to uh, a number one like Shea Gildas Alexander. It's a, I mean, it's a huge jump. I mean, they went twenty, I think twenty spots, right? Twenty three to three for a team that lost in the playing tournament. <laughs> That's right. a monster jump here. Um, I don't know how happy it made Sam Presti as far as we're putting that kind of the <laughs> cart before the horse here, but I mean, look. Please Shea. tell me what makes Sam Presti happy. I'll wait. <laughs> Shay, Jalen Williams. Emerson basketball. Chet. I think he likes playing the drums. <laughs> I mean, you look at what they have. I mean, I mean, Shay, Jalen Williams, Chet, Josh Giddy. I mean, those four guys in itself. Um, 35 draft picks in the next seven years, 15 first, flexibility out the wazoo. Um, a good coach, a strong management group. I mean, there's a reason why. Um, why we put them at that way. I mean, we put, listen, we ranked San Antonio at 18. Um, they were 28 last year and we, you know, we talked about it on, uh, NBA today and Perk thought they should have been one. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's, I'm not sure Perk's methodology <laughs> and is, you, is and uh, you made a, as in depth. Yeah. And Brian, you made a good point. Like, yeah, Victor is terrific and he could be, you know, top 10 or whatever. Would you, would you change it now? I wouldn't because what else we have, I think we have to focus on the other parts around. That's the yeah. big thing as far as, um, and I have nice players. Uh, Sohan's a nice player. Keldon Johnson's a nice player. Um, you know, Zach Collins is a nice complimentary Classic. player. Ta yeah. Yeah. They have nice young players around, but listen, if they go 35 and 47 this year and we're like, Whoa. And they're like, you know, like, and these guys really take another step, then they'll move up here, but not enough. Um, you know, that they went up 10 spots, which I think was fair. Um, but if Victor wows and the other players come and they get, all of a sudden get a number one pick again, then of course there's um they're they're they'll move up. And as I said on TV, it's we wrote San Antonio 18 in pencil because the flexibility there is to get a lot better. All right, one of the other teams that moved up a bunch in the rankings, I believe nine spots from number 17 to number eight, Bobby. The New York Knickerbockers, um, which is interesting because uh, they have done a much better job. They f made the second round of the playoffs last year, but they're, it's hard to see where their future is going to be. And you, however, are extremely high on their present, Bobby, by picking them in a stunning <laughs> move. You didn't make you didn't pick up them with a title. You picked them to win the East. I did. I, I'm on an okay. island by myself, and I. You know, oh yes, you all, are. <laughs> oh, I'm an island for all, all the categories. I'm on an island for. First of all, I, I one of my least favorite things is is predictions, um, because of course people find them and then they 
send you messages and all that stuff. So I, I do it anyway. I don't want to make our bosses mad. Um, but back in uh, August, when the schedule came out, we did that five on five or whatever. And they asked me, what's the one intriguing match? What's the one finals, the, the finals preview we could see early in the season. And I think I put Knicks at Suns. I almost got the key to New York city by the mayor <laughs> there because of that. And I was in the good gracious there. And I said, you know what? I can't go back on it now. Might as well go all in. And I had Nick. Wow. Celtics that's some methodology finals. Yeah. For a guy who, uh, for, for a guy who has a pretty in-depth methodology, this is surprising oh, for term. a guy who worked for the nets. And there was basically a cold war for 20 years. I mean, come on. And now I'm, well, I don't think it's over. Oh, I don't think so either. Um, and so, yes, I, uh, I am, I am high on the Knicks. Um, I think a lot of it's going to happen. You know, what happens with Julius Randall? I, I mean, that's going to be, of course, another X factor here, but yes, they moved up to number eight. Um, I like where they are right now. Am I ready to put them where, uh, Milwaukee and, um, Boston are? No. Um, I think those two, two teams are, uh, more talented. I think they have, um, closers, Certainly, I like Jalen Brunson here, but I think there is another player. They're another player away from being in that upper echelon. But and they have, listen, they've been sitting on the draft equity for a long time. They could have gone out and got Bradley Beal, probably. Could they have gone out and tried to get Damian Lillard if they wanted to cash in some of these things here? Um, we'll see what happens in Philadelphia with with Joel Embiid down the road. Um, so I do like where they are. They've got the flexibility. They've got the tra- draft capital. I like their roster. I think they're probably a top 10 roster. Um, I like Tibbs, certainly, and what Leon has been able. They've been that patient card here. And I think they've earned that number eight, that number eight, eight ranking. With that said, do I see them in, in, you know, would I go to Vegas right now and put my mortgage on them winning the Eastern Conference? I wouldn't. I mean, that's just the reality of it because I think they are one trade away from getting in that elite, you know, that elite company. Well, that's a bet on their future. <laughs> so that, <laughs> the short, the sh- and the short term future, um, to be sure. So, um, but that is a really good read. We just really just scratched the surface as is, um, the Spears, uh, pieces that come out. Guys, Spears puts out a lot of stuff, Bobby. There's a lot of stuff on Anscape from Spears. He's always all over the country. It's hard to book him on this pod. And he's got, I, I think the, the, I think the Beal thing is going to be, and, and CJ last year was terrific also. I mean, I love when players go kind of, you know, you know, in their own words. I think the Beal situation is 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 going to be so fascinating based on a team that's got a target on his back, on their back for a player. And we've we talked about it. That was basic has been under the radar. And a lot of it's, you know, that Wizards team, he hasn't hadn't been healthy as much on the court, had some injuries. But him in like that third role. I mean, like Durant Booker, and then you have a bunch of other complimentary players. And now you ask him to do things that he doesn't didn't ha- doesn't have to do, like back in the Wizards' day. And hearing from him during the journey, I think it's going to be a you know fascinating, fascinating stuff to read about. All right, well, I look excited, forward to it. Glad you're excited about it. Thank you. Very much looking forward to that. It was a surprise. I didn't know that was coming. So it was this nice surprise. Um, all right. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Spears. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you to the Bontemps family. Uh, and thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. We'll be back with you on Friday with the Tims three times a week. Here we go. And uh, we will talk to you soon.